Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 5. Uh, before we read God's word, a little context of what happened so far. Um, a part of Revelation chapter 19, probably half, if not majority of it, is about the bride of Christ and the wedding, um, or the upcoming wedding. And then Revelation chapter 18 predominantly is about the prostitute or Babylon. So 18, 19, you have a contrast between two ladies uh, symbolizing uh, two people groups. One is uh, the prostitute who don't follow God, uh, who have other gods, who will not submit to the God of the Bible, uh, who rebel against him. Um, and then we have Revelation chapter 19, uh, where we're going to see the bride of Christ. And then later on, we're going to also see um, the bridegroom uh, coming very awesomely, if that's a word. Anyway, before that happens, we get Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 5. We get something like a chorus, uh, a great hallelujah. And that's where we're landing right now. So Revelation chapter 18, doom and gloom. Revelation chapter 19, great celebration and joy. Wedding, bride, and the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. With those things in mind, I want to remind you before I read, this is God's infallible inerrant word. Hear now what he says. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just, for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen! Hallelujah! And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to Christ. Hallelujah. Um, in our passage, uh, probably the main theme is found by the repetition of that word, hallelujah. It's probably the most repeated word, hallelujah. Um, it happens three times in our passage. In verse 6, uh, Lord willing, we'll see that next week. It happens again, hallelujah. So there's four hallelujahs in this one chapter. Interestingly, the four hallelujahs are the only four hallelujahs in the entire New Testament. And it's all here. Well, three of them are here. There are no other hallelujahs in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there's a lot, a lot of them in the Psalms. But here, it just kind of hits you in the face. Hallelujah. It's speaking very loudly. So we should give good attention to what that means. So what does hallelujah mean? So we're going to be a little nerdy here. We're going to put on our thinking caps. But hallelujah is originally a Hebrew word. And there are three components in that word. I mean, there's, I must say three components, but three components. Uh, there is, here's some grammar, subject, 
verb, and object. So, for example, in English, we say, I kicked the ball. I'm the subject, kicked this verb, ball is the object. I kicked the ball. That's a sentence. All three of those things are in this one word, subject, verb, and object. Hallelujah. The verb hallel is to praise, praise. And when I say praise, I mean, I've, I've been trying to think of illustrations, but I mean praise in the sense of the bridegroom on the wedding day, doors open, and then the bride walks in. It's like, praise. Well, he doesn't really praise nowadays, you know. But in his heart, he's like, mm, she's my bride right there. She's going to be my bride soon. Like that. Or maybe something like before they get married, when uh, the boyfriend gets on his knees, knee and then proposes to the girlfriend and his heart's thumping. He's thinking, oh, she might say no, even though she probably won't, but just in case she might say no. He's preparing himself and it's, he's a total wreck. He's like stumbling with his words. And then she says yes. Nowadays, you know, um, the new fiance is excited, but usually you have those people in the background, ninjas, taking pictures, and they're the one praising with all the balloons and stuff. Praise. Involving your entire being. Wholehearted. Really excited. Praise. That's the verb halal. Maybe it's a challenge for us. Um, maybe sometimes you come to church and you're reading those lyrics off the screen and you just don't feel like singing. That may not be the biblical idea of praise because praise is everything. Praise. Hallel. That's the verb in hallelujah. The, there's that letter U. That letter U in hallelujah denotes the subject. It's you all. So praise, you all, and then the object, Yah. Hallelujah. J-A-H. That is the abbreviated form of Yahweh. So if we put that all together, praise, you all, Yahweh. If we put it in more colloquial terms, all of y'all, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's a command. Um, like, go clean your room, or repent, or rejoice. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. All of you, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And that's what hallelujah means. I want you to notice that in this word, there's something like a movement or a direction. There is a minor focus and a major fo focus. Hallelujah. What's the direction? It goes from object to subject. You all praise the Lord. You move that way. The minor focus is us, the subject, but praise, the major focus, the emphasis, the Lord. Praise the Lord. Make it happen. Praise him. And that's the command. Here are some tiny little illustrations. I don't think they do it justice, but hopefully it gets the point across. It's as if hallelujah is saying, don't worry about your slightly uncomfortable seat in the movie theaters. 
but pay attention to the big screen. Or another one is put your phone down for a moment and see what's going on around the dinner table. Or here's another one. Instead of taking a selfie and then leaving, take a moment, be still, and take in God's breathtaking creation. Something like that. Hallelujah. Move from you. Praise the Lord. There is a major focus. We are the audience, and there's one major focus on the stage. Hallelujah. And we see that movement in that word. You are the subjects. Hallel is to praise. And God is the object. Hallelujah. Sometimes um, one of the common problems that we might encounter is um, we put the emphasis on the wrong thing. Uh, we put the emphasis on ourselves. So sometimes we might say, I, I, I just don't feel like praising God or I don't, I don't want to. I'm, I'm angry. My circumstances are terrible. And so the subject, us, becomes bigger and bigger and the object, God, becomes diminished. And, or other times it's, I'm very introverted or I'm very shy. I don't know how to sing. But this command says, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Put the focus where it belongs, on Him. Diminish yourself and praise the Lord. That's the command. Praise the Lord. So let's look at our few verses and see what's going on. Uh, I want to talk about two points. I want to talk about hallelujah with, um, with God. Hallelujah for who he is and what he's done. And then us. Hallelujah is what we do because that's who we are. But let's begin with verses 1 and 2. Look at verses 1 and 2 with me and, it's, and see what leads to the first hallelujah in Revelation. The Apostle John says, After this I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged a great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. So verse 1 begins with those two words, after this, something happened, and then the response is, hallelujah. What happened after this? In chapter 18, remember the judgment of the prostitute. And we're going to find that out more in the hallelujah, the content of the hallelujah. But I want you to notice something else. If you continue to read verse 1, it says, what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude. Not voices. Voice. The apostle John is probably trying to tell us that they were completely unified in what they're saying and what they're proclaiming. The Apostle John heard one loud voice. He didn't hear many loud voices. Maybe there were a lot of voices, but in essence, they were saying the same thing. What do they say? Hallelujah. Praise God. There was 
no indi- there's no indication that someone in the, in the great multitude was thinking, oh, I, don't, I can't shout, I can't say it loud, I can't sing. Oh man, there's a piece of gum stuck on my shoe. They were all fixated on the object of their praise. Hallelujah. All of them. They didn't care about their feelings, circumstances, the gum on the shoe. Imagine this for a second. Imagine you paid $5,000 for front row seats to a concert. That's a lot of money. I don't know if it's cost that much. But let's just say you have the money, you bought it, get front row seats. Throughout the whole concert, your favorite band is playing or your favorite musician. And throughout the whole concert, all you think about is that gum on your shoe. Oh, I got my shoes. While everyone else is fixated on center stage, you would be a sore thumb. Here, they're all fixated on God. Their praise is, if you look at verse 1 and 2, it's primarily about Him. There's almost nothing about them except for servants, salvation, you know, what it entails. But it's about Him. Salvation, glory, power belong to Him. He judged the great prostitute. He avenged our blood. Hallelujah. God, God, God. They are engrossed in the one they are praising and they have no concern with themselves or the others that are praising. It's all about him. It's all about him. Whatever's on their mind, whatever's in their heart, whatever may be stuck on the bottom of their shoe, God is greater still. It's all about him. Hallelujah. Sometimes the big obstacle, big obstacle standing between us and praising our great God is actually just little old us. We think we fix our gaze too much on ourselves rather than God. It's not that God became small because God is God, but we just have a smaller view of him because we're looking so much at ourselves but no one in that crowd cared. All they cared about was Yahweh. Hallelujah. So the command and the challenge is praise God. Praise God. So how do we move in that direction? How do we get from our sometimes stubborn and selfish selves to praise God like the great multitude here? Notice that their hallelujah is theologically rich, brimming with truth and justice about God. Their hallelujah doesn't just end in verse 1, salvation, glory, and power. It's intertwined with verse 2, judgment, justice, truth. All these things evoke in them to Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, the reason I, 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 wanted, I want to mention that point is because sometimes in the evangelical world, 
we do have salvation. We're forgiven of our sins. And those things are amazing. That God will forgive us at the cost of his son. What in the world is going on? And we praise God for that. But it's a 2D version of God. They see a full view of God. They love all of God. What all of God has done and all of God, who he is. They love it all. Hallelujah. Salvation, glory, power, justice, judgment, truth. In other words, their view of God is uh, personal. The first thing after hallelujah is salvation. God saved me and he knows me. God saved that dude and he knows him at the cost of his son. Hallelujah. It's personal. It's real. It's also relational. If you look at the end, he avenged his servants. He cares about his people. Hallelujah. And another thing is, it's holistic. All of God. Everything that God revealed. Hallelujah. There's no one there that goes, you judged great the great prostitute? That was kind of messed up. I mean, I would have judged her less than what you did. No one says that. They're like, I might have judged her less, but God, your way is, dang, that's genius. That's perfect. Hallelujah. It makes me want to praise you. Everything you do, salvation, you saved us, you're glorious, you're powerful, you judge, you're true, you care about justice, everything you are, hallelujah, and invokes them to praise. A holistic view of God. It's interesting, verse 1 and verse 2, salvation and judgment are intertwined. They are related to one another. Salvation, glory, and power are his. Why? For, because his judgments are true and just. For, because he has judged a great prostitute who corrupted the earth. So for them, salvation came through judgment. And they loved all of it. Praise God for all of it. Because what he does is good. Salvation and judgment, all of it. Praise God. Who can, the reason why that's important, God didn't just save, although he did save, but the way he saved is also through judgment. What I mean by that is, there's this great prostitute in Revelation chapter 18. God's going to save his people, but he didn't go, my people, come with me. Let's go to a different island and run away. He said, I'm summarizing. This is so crude. The Bible says it better. In essence, my people stand behind me and I will fight for you. I will ruin those who ruin you. I will stand in between. Salvation through judgment. They mess with you. They will never mess with you again. You are mine, and I care for you. I will protect you. Salvation through judgment. Who can save not just by taking them away, but conquering the immoral, super evil entity, that great prostitute that all the people of the land had been fawning over? Who can do that? 
this being must be even greater. He must be the greatest. He must be God. And we see this throughout the Old Testament. This isn't something foreign to us. Remember Adam and Eve? He didn't just take them away, but he says he's going to take you away from the serpent, but crush its head. I'm going to defeat that ancient serpent. Or who can not only take Israel away from Pharaoh, but free them from his tyranny forever, as the Red Sea covers him. Or who can deliver Israel from the taunt and threat of the Philistines by slaying its champion, Goliath? Salvation through judgment. Who can save by defeating the great prostitute of Revelation 18? Who is mighty to save? And in their hallelujahs, we find out who else but God alone. Salvation and judgment. Hallelujah. And then in verse 3, if you look at verse 3 with me, we read, Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. A definitive win. This is not a knockout. This is an utter defeat. She's done. Here's another way of saying it. This is a deliberately overcooked barbecue. Um, I tried to Google this. Charred means like burnt on the outside. I didn't know what the word for burnt everywhere meant. So charred everywhere. Think of that. She's done. She's toasted. God has judged. And now the prostitute will never rise. It's done. She is utterly ruined, and the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. Salvation through a permanent win. Hallelujah. No one's there saying, God, that was a little bit cruel and unusual. They're saying, Hallelujah. She got what she deserved, and you are a just God. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. And then after that, in verse 4, we read of the 24 elders and the four living creatures responding in the only and appropriate way that makes sense. Amen. Hallelujah. You have all of the heavenly host and people praising God. Fall, worship, and hallelujah. Why? Hallelujah for what God has done and for who God is. That is enough for their hallelujahs. What God has done and who God is. Hallelujah. Um, We have a, a similar reason to praise God. Salvation through judgment. Doesn't that sound familiar? Salvation and judgment intertwined at the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was judged by his Father, forsaken by his Father, exhausted the wrath of God Almighty that we deserve, that he never deserved, 
so that through him salvation will flow out. Hallelujah. We deserve nothing less than to be horrifically cursed and judged by God, but the Lord Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. The judgment that sinners justly deserve has been laid on his son, that if you would repent and believe, he takes your sin and he gives you his righteousness. What in the world? Why would God do that? But thanks be to God, hallelujah, that God would love us in this way. Hallelujah. He, believers, the Lord Jesus has died for your sins. It's done. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever, it's done. Why? Because Jesus has died. He has been crucified. He has been judged for your salvation. Hallelujah. How can we not hallelujah after receiving such undeserved and amazing news? Something's wrong with us. So here's a little application. Take your eyes off of yourselves and fixate them. Look at him who is truly worthy. Because when you do, you be evoked to hallelujah, praise God. How could you not? There is no way that this good news is not good enough to evoke our praise. No way. The reason why that happens is probably because of ourselves or if we're just not looking enough or we don't want to hear it. But when we really look at him, when we really hear that good news, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for what God has done and for who he is. Out of his mere pleasure, he sent his son for sinners like us. And lastly, hallelujah is what we do because of who we are. Let's look at verse 5. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. I have no idea who that voice is, nor do I care to know at the moment. John only wanted to reveal that it's a voice, so that's how it is. But this voice from the throne is saying, Praise our God. Who's supposed to praise our God? All you his servants and all you who fear him, small and great. God's servants, God-fearers, small and great, praise him. Praise him. Why? Because you're his servants and because you fear him. It's what you do. It's who you are. You don't praise God to become his. You praise God because you are his. That's, what, that's one of the things we're designed for, praising God. Hallelujah. And it's interesting, both small and great. I really wish I had a baby in my hand right now. And he's, ah, I'd be like, look, he's saying hallelujah. I'd be like, my baby can praise God. 
Hallelujah. How can we not? It's who we are. He has given us the best news. In Revelation, he he judged the, the great prostitute. And now the bride is free. Bride is going to marry the greatest man alive, the Son of God. Hallelujah. So what does that mean? Christians, God-fearers, God's servants, praise God. Praise Him. If you're introverted, praise Him. If you can't sing, praise Him. If you're two years old, praise Him. Small and great, praise Him. Well, I don't know how to do that. Take your eyes off yourself and praise Him. I can't sing. Yes, you're looking at yourself, but don't look at yourself. Look at Him. No one in the concert cares. They can't even hear you. They're like, yeah. Praise God. Praise God. What is greater than the object of your praise? There should be no obstacle between you and God, praising God. No obstacle. What is bigger than God? He is your God. Praise him. Hallelujah for what he has done and who he is. Some practical application. One thing you can do, uh, we have one more song um, by God's grace, and purposely it's uh, uh, Hallelujah. Um, sing. Praise God. If you can't sing, it's okay. Our praise team plays so loud. No one can hear you. I'm just kidding. They actually, that's good volume. But praise God. Praise God. If you're, if you're shy, just go to another chair and praise God. I'll give you an illustration, and this is a true story. I'm not going to tell you who it is, except that he's my professor. One of my professors, a really, really buff professor, uh, ranking in CrossFit, and he's like 40-something years old. He is a big guy. Very smart, like sociopathologically, I don't know what the word, adverb, he's very smart, yet it's so weird because he's so shy. So if he's teaching a class and he's lecturing, he's a buff guy, and he's like, all right, any questions? Okay, all right, let's move on. And he just can't look at you. He's so shy. He doesn't like to be that outgoing guy. I used to intern at his church, and um, there would be praise, and I would sit, and I, sometimes I'd look over at him, and he would do this. Ace. Praise God from whom all. Because he can't sing. And he feels so awkward about it. But in the end, he's still hallelujah. Because he loves God. He can't sing. He's super shy. He's very awkward. But he's going to sing anyway. Why? Because God is worth it. Hallelujah. What is that obstacle in your way from praising God? What is a bigger God than God? Nothing. Praise God. It's who you are. It's what you're designed for. And um, if you want to take some application home, start at home. Sing some praises. If you don't know how to play instruments, call, call one of the praise team members. 
We'll call Passagero Lynn. <laughs> Don't call me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Put some YouTube on. I used to uh, preach for the youth group at this Chinese church, and we didn't have anyone who played instruments. So we just put on some YouTube and sang along. It was great. The only awkward part is at the end of the YouTube because it doesn't end well. It just goes, and then volume's gone. But praise God. Praise God. That's the command. That's how God-fearers, God-servants live, and that's what they do, especially after knowing who God is and what he has done. Praise God. Start individually, privately, and praise him for who he is and what he has done. For he is worthy of your singing and worthy of your adoration. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, how is it that you would love us in the way that you have. We praise you for your salvation. We praise you for your justice. We recognize that we would be so far gone without your interventions, without your justice and salvation, without your patience and without your wrath, without your fatherly discipline. How is it that you love us in the way that you have even after you know us better than we know ourselves? Father, thank you so much for giving us your only son. Thank you so much for sending to us your helper. Thank you so much for all that you do, all that you have done, all that you will do, and thank you for who you are. Father, we want to praise you. We feel it. There's an excitement in ourselves and maybe even some um, timidness, some nervousness, but there's a, a desire in us to praise you because that's who we are in Christ Jesus. We love to praise you. Sometimes we we act like that schoolboy who falls in love the first time and just can't help but singing your praises. Father, would you challenge us? Would you help us to fix our eyes on you? For nothing else is worth our attention more than you. And that's a challenge for every one of us here. But may you fill us with your Holy Spirit. Continue to nudge us and beckon us the right way. Continue to discipline us as we need and be patient with us. And so that we may sing louder and louder, hallelujah, you are truly worthy. Thank you. Praise be to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.